Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Listen, we're kicking off a new series this morning, and it's titled Framed. And what it is, is it's the road to the cross. You know, listen, we realize that crucifixion of Jesus was all part of God's plan. How many of you are thankful for the cross, right? Without the cross, there's no way we would ever make it. But sometimes we overlook, sometimes we miss why the religious leaders wanted Jesus removed so badly. I can tell you why it was. It wasn't just the miracles that he was performing. It wasn't because he raised someone from the dead. No, they wanted him removed because they were intimidated by him. They were afraid that they, somebody all of a sudden has shown up on the scene that's more powerful than them, that's more in tune with God than them, that's more like God than them. Well, they didn't like it. Ultimately, it's pride. And they wanted to do anything that they could to remove Jesus from the scene. Well, I'm going to tell you what. This morning, we're going to talk about I'm going to teach how the book of John, chapter 11, on the story of Lazarus. But the religious leaders at that day, they had two choices. It's the same two choices that we have this morning and that we have today. The same two choices. We're going to talk about it at the end of this message. But the two choices were this. Follow Jesus or remove Jesus. That's the only two choices you have. That's the only two choices that we're left with today, thousands of years later. Follow him or remove him. I am believing today. There's a lot of scripture in today's message, so get ready. But I'm believing today that God is going to restore more than just Lazarus through this message. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing here. God, I just ask right now that you show up in a mighty way like you've never shown up at New Life Church Greenbrier. Father, anoint this message, speak through it into the hearts of every person that's here. Every person that's sitting in this room today is here because you've brought them here. It's not by chance, it's not by coincidence, but God, it's for a reason. Allow us to see your word like we've never been able to see it. Father, bless this service, bless this time. Bless these students. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of John, chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 4, but I want to set this up for you really quick. We're looking at the story of Lazarus. Well, Mary and Martha actually send, send a message to Jesus to call him because Lazarus, and they, they, the way they frame it is, the one that you love is sick. So sick, as a matter of fact, that ultimately will lead to his death for a short amount of time. We see through this passage of Scripture, though, leading up to this point, they've already tried to stone Jesus. They already want to try to remove him. Well, the story picks up in verse 4. Follow along with me if you would. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Right here at this passage of Scripture, God sets up what is about to happen. And they don't get it at first. It's kind of like us, right? Sometimes we just don't get it at first. But he tells them what's about to happen. And go down to verse 8. It says, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there 
tried to stone you. They're trying to take you out. And yet you're going back? Listen, the religious leaders were looking for any reason that they could come up with to arrest Jesus and to remove him from the scene. But what he was about to do was going to change everything. But what Jesus is about to do in this scripture on the outside of Lazarus, I believe he can do inside of you this morning. Go to verse 11. It says, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. I want to ask you a question really quick. What inside of you right now at this moment in this season do you feel like you're mourning? That maybe is dead inside of you dreams, hopes, desires that you feel like at this season, at this time is dead. That there's no way it's going to come to life. Did you write off a dream that you used to have? Are you grieving a relationship? Are you stuck believing you'll never beat a bad habit? Because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe, by the way. Are you trapped in a cycle of destructive sin? Last weekend, we talked about the importance of realigning our understanding of God's Word. That's what I want us to do today. Because how many of you would agree over the last couple of years, it's been a little hard to do what it was that God had placed on our heart? We, we came back when they commissioned us as the campus pastors. Shortly after that, we went on a vision trip to Guatemala I was on a plane coming back from that country. I was so full of vision. I was so excited to bring back to you guys what I believe that God was calling us to do. We get off the airport in Atlanta, and all of a sudden they start talking about COVID. What is COVID? I don't know. And now you're talking about shutting the world down? What? A lot of people's dreams and desires and passion over the last couple of years, you felt like have been put on pause. I'm here to tell you this morning, God is ready to restore that. He wants to restore you. But the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. John eleven fourteen through 15. So he told them plainly. They didn't get it at first, right? But he told them plainly. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Let me just say this. For our sake, I'm really glad Jesus wasn't there. Because we see right here that Jesus is in the business of restoring what's dead. We see it through Scripture. Write this down. Jesus specializes in restoring what is dead. He specializes in it. But this is a thought for you. This is important. Get it. Some of you are trying to go to sleep on me. Wake up. What if what God is trying to restore inside of you right now isn't just for you? Let me ask that again. What if what God is trying to restore inside of you right now isn't just for you? What if it's for your kids? What if it's for a coworker? What if it's for a family member? You know, when God raised Lazarus from the dead, he restored a lot more than Lazarus that day. What if what God is trying to restore in you right now, at this moment, 
is not just for you. I look around this room and I see some amazing parents, amazing parents, men and women of God. God may be trying to restore something in you to set a foundation for the next generation, for the next person. But I'm going to say this too. Restoration seldom comes without resistance. Seldom comes without resistance. Remember doubting Thomas? Remember that guy? I mean, you've got some people that you're around that's like glasses half full. Doubting Thomas is one of those dudes that his glass half empty all the time. You know, like a real joy to be around. You know who I'm talking about? If there was anybody that you would think would doubt and run and leave, it would be him. Look what he says. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, but in Thomas' fashion, that we may die with him. Real encouraging, right? But even Thomas was willing to go. What if they would have let fear prevent them from going that day? I mean, this was fear of death, right? They'd already tried to stone Jesus. So, you know, you could, you could argue the fact, well, they had a reason to be afraid and not go. They had a reason. Afraid of dying. How many times do we not go because we're afraid of what somebody may say? What somebody may do? What is holding you back? That restoration may not be just for you. I want you to get this. It is in the moment of our great, it's in the moments of our greatest insecurities, the times when we are the most insecure about the decisions that we're about to make, that God will show up and move mountains. Why do you think that is? I'm going to tell you why I believe it is. I believe it's because when we get into a place of our greatest insecurities, we have to depend on God. Why do you think the word says that if you're lukewarm, I spit you from my mouth? I would rather you be cold or hot. Why do you believe that is? When you're warm, you're comfortable. When you're cold, at least you have a desire to warm up. A lot of us are living too comfortable. <laughs> now, we can argue whatever we want to. What if they wouldn't have went that day? What if you hadn't have made the decision to go? Orange Beach this week. Just think of one moment, just, just one moment, one person, just one that you come in contact with. Tim said it a few minutes ago. There's seeds that have been planted that you may never see grow, but there'll come a point of harvest. Think of right now, I want you to think of one person that you came in contact with. Now I want you to think back of the weeks and the months ahead of making the decision to go on that trip. Was there ever a time when you said, well, I just don't really know if I want to go? I mean, I'm sure there was. Typically, you see the greatest resistance right before God's about to do something big. I stiff-armed God for two years. I did. I knew that God was calling me into ministry. I knew it. It was plain as day. But I was like, mm, no, God. You know why I did that? Because I was comfortable. And I didn't want to get uncomfortable. I was comfortable where I was. I knew what I was doing. Pretty good at my job. Pretty comfortable. 
God never calls us to our comfort zone, though. You notice that? Why is that? When he calls you out of your comfort zone, you're going to have to depend upon him. My prayer for this team every week in this church is this. God, please keep us humble. With humility, God can use you. With pride, he will shut it down. If you'll remember that as you go with school, with the people you come in contact with, you can change lives. You'll make an impact greater than you'll ever imagine. But you've got to stay humble. God's doing something in our church. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know God is doing something. Would you agree, Justin? God's doing something. As long as we stay humble, I believe he'll continue to do that. And he's doing it in the Big C Church. It's not just New Life Church Greenbrier. First of all, New Life Church is a lot bigger than this city, just for the record. There's 18 campuses right now, and most of them are studying some form or fashion of this verse. Now, this is what God, this is what I got out of it. But there's other pastors that are speaking very similar messages. 18 of them around the state of Arkansas. God is doing something. But if we think for one second that it's about us, if I ever step up here on this stage and I feel like that this message is about me or I'm fixing to change some lives, God will shut it down. It's not about me. We know that fear is not of God. Look at Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody say, He will never leave you or forsake you. Let's jump back into the book of John. They went with Jesus to Bethany. And the story picks up in verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, there's some, there's some significance to four days. And the significance is the Jews, excuse me, at that time, believed that the soul remained close to the body for three days after passing in hopes to return to the body. Well, this is day four. So the significance, and what I want you to get from this, is if they were in that mindset, all hope was gone. All hope. I mean, he's died. The three days of when the soul supposedly stayed within a near location of the body, the three days had been gone. So now they're at a place where it seems like there is no way any life can come to this situation. Right now, at this moment, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe in your life right now that the dream the hopes the desires the friendships the relationships what God was calling you to been four days no hope no hope still struggling with an addiction no hope marriage still isn't where it needs to be no hope still don't have any friends at school no hope still haven't found people that Believe in you and lift you up, no hope. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But how many of you know we serve a God of restoration? We serve a God that's bigger than this. But I'm going to ask you this. 
I'm going to step on some toes for a second. What if our response time and God's response time was the same? And what I mean by that was what about, what if, if God responded the same way to us? What would it look like? Have you ever noticed, you know, I'm an impatient person, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's mowing the grass, if I get in my mind I need to mow the grass, I'm mowing it right now. It's got to be mowed now. If I want a load of mulch in my flower beds, I don't want to wait three days. I want it now, right now. Who can bring it right now, right? Do I, is there anybody out there that's like me? One guy. I mean, I'm impatient. But have you noticed when God asks us to do something, we step back and go, oh, I need to think about that a few days. What if our response time aligned with God's response time? It would change the world. When God called you to do something, if you went and done it, imagine what would happen. Imagine. When God gave you a check in your spirit to apologize and to humbly come forth and admit that you said something you shouldn't have said or did something you shouldn't have done, if immediately you responded, imagine what would change. How would it change your marriage? How would it? It's no secret. I've shared with you guys before. There was a time when our marriage wasn't something you would put up on the screen in church. There was a time when our marriage struggled many years ago, thankfully, but it struggled. Do you know one of the things that really changed our relationship was how quick we respond when we say something we shouldn't or do something we shouldn't? Because a lot of times you'll respond to something out of you're, you're frustrated it's a bad day and you snap at the person you love and then if they don't respond the way you want them to you just get mad. Now I find myself being a lot quicker to go I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. Same way in return. What does that do? That removes the stone. That removes the obstacle. Imagine if that's how we went through our day-to-day life. When you snapped at somebody or you did something that probably wasn't full of grace, right? We all have bad days. What if you went back to that coworker the next day and go, you know what? Yesterday when I was here, I know I was short and I'm sorry. It was a rough day. It will completely change that relationship and it also will change the way that they respect and honor you as well. That's brief, not in the message. Look at 11, verse 21 through 23. You see, Martha was convinced that Jesus could do it, but her trust was just misplaced. Our trust in Jesus is never misplaced. Said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So she trusted that he had the authority and the power. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, she didn't quite get what he was saying at the moment. But don't miss this next part. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus asked her a very important question. 
do you believe this? It's the most important question we can ask ourselves. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? The one who believes in me will live, he says, even though they die. Most of us in this room, many of you in this room would say, yes, I believe that God has the power and the authority to bring things back to life, to restore my marriage. I I believe that. But my question to you is this. Have you somehow placed limitations on what you believe that God can do? Is there limitations to it that you have put in place? Are you limiting what God can do today? Well, next week, you know, we'll we'll be back. I know I should probably go public with my decision to follow Christ in water baptism. Maybe next week. When God's trying to do something right now. God was trying to perform a miracle at that moment, at that second. But Martha didn't get it. Listen, I don't know what kind of miracle you need, but Jesus does. He's never late. He never leaves you hanging. But look how Mary responds to Jesus when she realizes he's there. Verse 32 through 35 says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he's talking about the Jewish leaders, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus was. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest passage of Scripture and one that holds probably the most power, verse 35, Jesus wept. Some of you are here today and you think that you serve a God that doesn't care about where you're at or what you're going through, that he doesn't understand your pain, that he doesn't understand the fear, the anxiety, the hurt. He gets it. Jesus gets it. He got it this day. Some of you need to know this. Jesus cares. He cares. He cares what you're going through. Verse 36 The Jews said, see how he loved him? They even witnessed the love that Jesus had for Lazarus. See how he loved him? Hmm. Martha said, it's been four days. Verse 40, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. Did I not tell you, if you believe, has he not told us over and over and over, all throughout Scripture, has he not told us? If you believe, if you believe, do you believe? Let's get real honest here. You're never going to be free 
you're never going to be whole until you let Jesus in. You're not. The problem is, the truth of the matter is, some of you have taken your past and all the mistakes and all the sin and everything that you're walking through and you didn't lay it at the foot of the cross. You stuck it in a tomb and you rolled a stone in front of it. Sonny and I were driving, and I, and I don't remember the pastor she made. But there was a gentleman that made a statement. He said, you know, there's power when you're speaking from a scar, but that there's hurt when you speak from a wound. Have you ever heard hurt people hurt people? Right? But there's power from a scar. What is that? Our scars are our testimonies. Our scars are the places that God has relieved, re- saved us from. He's brought us out of. Those are scars. We all have scars. Every person in this room has scars. Some of you have some open wounds. You know the thing, you look on social media, you see a lot of open wounds, don't you? I don't get it. I almost wish they'd put a mask over social media. (laughs) Just shut it down. There's a lot of open wounds out there. The other thing, too, that I found about open wounds is... If you don't doctor that wound, it's not going to heal. If you don't take care of that wound, if you don't, you know, put the right ointment on that wound, it takes longer to heal. It hurts longer. It gets infected. If you don't treat that wound, it doesn't heal properly. Those wounds that you have in here today, some of them need treatment. Some of the treatment is in the form of relationships. Some of you need to let some people in in your life. Because you can continue going through life with all of that junk in that tomb with a stone rolled on in front of it. But you're never going to get where God wants you to be. You're never going to have full restoration. The thing about a stone is this. It's heavy, right? Sometimes it takes more than one person to roll that stone away. Who do you have right now that would help you roll that stone away? Who in your life is the first person that comes to mind? You know, there was a a Bible study that my wife is doing with the ladies. And I don't know if it was from this one or from one before. But there was a statement made by the leader of that Bible study that said, Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. There's some truth to that, isn't there? That's powerful. Bless you. Get that man a water. Your past does not define your future. You need to get this. Your past mistakes do not define your future unless you let them. John eleven forty four. 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, the cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You go back to verse 41 and 43. It says, so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, 
But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Sometimes he's saying it for the benefit of others. That they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. There's something here I don't want you to miss. Jesus called him by name. He didn't just say, hey, dead guy, get up. Jesus calls us by name. But you know something that, that I think is interesting here? Is You see in verse 44... Just following that, when the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's a verse I just read two ago. There's something that I want you to get here. Jesus had the power and the authority to raise this man from the dead. But those there had a part to play in it. There's something here I think you need to get. God has the full authority and the ability to restore and heal everything that you're walking through. But he gives us a part to play in it. This is why it's so important to have people around you, godly relationships and friendships that you can count on, that will hold you accountable. Why? Because the enemy just wants to continue to remind you of your sin, continue to remind you of your past and the mistakes that you've made. Sometimes you need some people to help hold you accountable, to be with you, to remove the death cloth, to remind you when the enemy tries to tell you that you're just going to fall back into that sin. You're just going to fall back into that addiction. You're just going to do that again. You need people around you that will say, listen, that's not of God. And lift your arms up. I've got a very good friend. That fell into sin. And I don't know why. I don't know why this morning God put him on my heart the way he did. In fact, he was instrumental in part of my spiritual growth. He was there for me. He was somebody that would challenge me and lift my arms up. And but he fell so far away from God. And I'm like, God, how does that happen? How, how does a, somebody that, man, I thought this guy was a rock, somebody I looked up to, how does, it, how does it happen, God, that this man fell that far away from God? And I've asked that, you know, I've, I've thought that question several times. And this morning I feel like God showed me part of the reason. 
He ended up moving out of state and moving out of town. And the people that he had around him that was holding him, holding him accountable and lifting him up, well, they were, they were no longer there. And I, I'm not blaming it on the move. I'm not. But it was just a reminder to me this morning of how important it is to have godly people around you that don't just tell you what you want to hear but that'll hold you accountable that'll help you keep guardrails in place in your life do you have that today? if you look around this room you can you can that's why we say all the time get in a group, get in a group, get in a group Find a group of people. I was having a conversation with someone before service. And his wife had to be med flighted a week ago. And this is a strong couple. I said, you know, you, you've, you've preached on the importance of having, staying connected and getting in a group and I know that it's important, but, you know, we, this happened. These, our life group just started showing up. Like, Colin, can we bring you food? I'm like, no, we're good. And then they're like, well, we were just trying not to be invasive. We're bringing you food. So a friend of ours tells them, says, man, they're like the FBI. <laughs> they don't quit. Don't go through life by yourself. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Man. Quit trying to act like you've got it all together. And that you're just perfect. Because you're not. You know, people can see through that. It's clear. Two responses. The religious leaders had that day are the same two responses that we have this morning. Follow Jesus or remove Jesus. Follow him and have life, remove him and have death. Romans 6, 10 through 12. As the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Get this. Please get this. Do not let sin continue to live inside of you. So that you obey its evil desires. Listen, we, we've said it for several weeks now. God is doing something special in his church. And he's not just doing it at New Life Church Greenbrier. I'm talking about the Big C Church. God's doing something very special. I believe it. I see it. I see it in our students. I see it in you guys can go around this room I'm not going to but point out 
ways that God has shown up big time because I know your story. I know your scars. Don't forget about those scars. Don't forget about how far God had to bring you to get you to where you are today. Please. See, the enemy, if he can convince you to forget about how far God has brought you, if he can convince you to forget about the sacrifice of Jesus, he can convince you to let the sin remain inside you. But when you remember how far God brought you and how far he had to reach down, you hear me say this a lot, because I remember how far God had to reach down to get me. If you remember that, you don't want to allow the sin to remain inside of you because you don't want it to grade the spirit of our Father. Why do you not sin? You think you just give your life to Christ and all of a sudden you never make a mistake again? No. There's conviction that follows that. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week 